Well, welcome to another episode of Good Old Sports, powered by RNA Media. I'm your host, Riley Pate, co-host, best friend, business partner, all of the above. Adrian Hernan here with me, and we're glad that you've chosen to join us. We're uh, putting this out on a Tuesday instead of Forty-seven points. I think he had a triple double for the Lakers. He had another one last night. Uh, but uh, that's not what we're going to start out with. Shockingly, uh, as we talk about the uh, top teams in each conference, this is interesting because I didn't recognize how close it was uh, when it, when you talk about uh, teams like the uh, Brooklyn Nets and teams like mm-hmm. the Celtics. You know, you think about. And I know for me, I think that you know the Celtics. You know, they're that team, but the Nets have been consistent here yes, lately. Yes, I mean, that, that's what... Very so consistent. When we were kind of putting the show together and I was looking at, at things, you know, the, the Celtics off that hot, hot start. I mean, just yeah. all cylinders. They kind of put the M.A. Udoka stuff behind them. It seemed like, hey, we're headed in the right direction. We're going to continue mm-hmm. off uh, to build off of what we did last year. And now they're 5-5 five mm-hmm. five over the last 10 the Nets have gotten hot. They're on a ten-game win streak. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant starting to put it together. Kyrie's putting it together. I mean, Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons, but hey, he's on the yeah. team. Uh, they've uh-huh. kind of gotten past the whole off-season saga that was the Brooklyn Nets. Now, but but here's the thing: you're the Eastern Conference. Now you've got to take them seriously. Like they went from the 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 joke right this off-season to now. Like you look at them and you go, okay. That's Kevin Durant. That's Kyrie Irving. And when those guys want to play, they're two of the best players in basketball. Well, you see, we talked about this last last week is, you know, do you break that up at the end of the season? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say no. You know, know, thinking about it, you know, since last week, you don't want to do that because obviously they seem to put whatever it was aside and now there's some major chemistry. You know, not with just them, but with that team. You, know, you don't want to. You don't want to put anything to a halt, or you don't want to destroy something that's not necessarily messed up. You know, um, so I say, you know, to keep the team together. I think Ben Simmons, uh, whatever Ben Simmons went through last, these last two years uh, when he was with the Seventy uh, Sixers, and, and I do want to make a quick. Correction. I said they were on ten game. They're on eleven game wins. Eleven game. They won. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. So I don't 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 change anything. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know. Right. Uh, and as of right now, uh, Kevin Durant is still being Kevin Durant. He's playing to the caliber that you know he's always been able to do. So he's living up to his name. Uh, Kyrie Irving is too. 
which I always believe that Kyrie Irving was that guy. You know, whenever he gets on fire, he's on fire. And yeah. so you put him with Kevin Durant, that's a good duo. Uh, I, I do, I don't know if it will ever happen. But, I mean, it could, maybe. Because Ben Simmons is contributing, contributing, you know, to the team in his own way. Uh, he's got six assists. He leads the team in assists with six per game. Kevin Durant is averaging 29.6 uh, points per game. Kyrie Irving with 26.2. So there's your big two. And then, currently, uh, talking about Simmons... On top of those assists, he's averaging 7.9 points per game. He is averaging, though, 26.9 minutes per game. So, I mean, he's actually on the court he's playing. But the thing is, it goes back to what I said about Ben Simmons last week. We built him up. Everybody watched him play. They saw what he was doing in LSU. They said, okay, there's, there's the guy. Yeah. And nobody considered his mindset. Nobody considered his being prone to injury. All of those things. And that has built up, and with that came scrutiny, which led to, does he want to play basketball? Where does he want to play basketball? So I I think we've got to accept that Ben Simmons, you know, six assists a game, that's good. That that means he's playing his role, but that that is his role. He's not going to be that 20 to 30 points per game kind of guy. So here's what you, well, we as the sports world have to think about. When you get these young athletes and you get these guys who are in high school, you know, their name is building up and they're getting all this hype and, and notoriety, and then they go into college and it's the same thing. But then you have to realize in those years, uh, an average teenage teenager is still mm-hmm. trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. Right. You know, they may be so uh, um, engulfed in what they're doing at the moment because they're good at it. Right. The, how do we know that that's really what they want to do? Well, I think that it could be the same with Ben Simmons. You know, he's still young. Uh, I'm not going to say he didn't have opportunity to actually opportunity to actually think about what he wanted to do in the in his uh, adolescence or in his college years. You know, that's when you're still trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is a grand opportunity that came to him. Hey, man, you get to play at the highest level. You know, you get the chance to play at the highest level. Because you're good at something. Right. So I think, you know, he, he he got here. He got to the NBA. And he played. He started out, you know, so, okay, this is Ben Simmons. You know, he dominated in college. Uh, he's going to do the same in the NBA. Well, how do we know that? I, I don't think he's fully there mentally in the NBA. I don't think he's playing. He's scoring. He's doing all doing these things. But is he mentally fully there, you know, to where it's, where you know, he's going to put himself wholeheartedly into the game. And, and you got the sense from Doc Rivers towards the end there in Philadelphia mm-hmm. that he wasn't. That and, and what that it was more about I just don't want to play basketball because it you know it's kind of framed as well he didn't want to play in Philadelphia anymore. He's he's upset with the way he's being used. He had like the fan base, all those things. Yeah. And, and all of those things were true. Uh he had, you know, stated at times that he was not necessarily pleased with uh, the way he was being utilized, he certainly was not happy with the fans and the, their reaction to things. But there was also a sense where he just didn't want to play basketball. That it didn't matter where, it, he just didn't want to play. Yeah. And so, maybe he's worked past some of that. Maybe he's kind of gotten to a point where he says, you know what, I'm okay being a role player. I'm okay just being on the team, contributing where I can. And maybe this is the point where Kevin Durant and Kyrie looked at each other and said, you know what, we've got a shot. Like, yeah. we're looking at the rest of the conference. They're not very good. We can chase Boston. 
you know, and maybe we can beat them in a five-game, seven-game series, you know, right, and, right. and steal a game on the road. So they're looking at going, hey, let, let's put everything aside. Let's go play basketball. And then you have that question of, okay, if if they pull this off, if they make the playoffs, they continue playing at this level because we're past Christmas Day. So you're, you're in that point that, in the NBA yeah, season where everything the, really matters. This is the final stretch. This is the home stretch right here. And so you're looking at it and you're going, okay, if if they pull this off, maybe they win the first se- playoff series, maybe they make it to the conference finals, all those, all the above, do they look around and go, hey, we, it's not so bad. Maybe the, the Kyrie wanting to go to LA talks, you know, yeah. calms down. It was a question of who's going to take Kevin Durant and that contract anyways, he may look at that and go, hey, I got what I wanted. We got our coach. Yeah. Where do you, where do you go? And if you're Brooklyn, you got to keep who I, you and, got and in place, I would think. I mean, you I, don't want to do move too. on. You're right there because, you know, when if they do look around and say, okay, it's not that bad. I'm going to stay. Kevin Durant decides to uh, finish out that contract there in Brooklyn as, as well as Kyrie. You look at it, and then you can go get pieces in free agency or – uh, and draft in the draft. Yes. To build that team, you know, finish building it up. And then who's to say, you know, if they don't make it to the conference finals uh, this year, or if they do and they may lose lose out in the, and they, they win or they may lose out in the finals, whatever may happen, they can look back, they say, okay, we got ourselves a team. We made it this far. Mm-hmm. We can go ahead and go on to win it next year. Right. Because, I mean, if you, if you give and take, add and subtract, some pieces. I think the Brooklyn Nets have a legit shot uh, of of making it to the finals. Looking at it now, because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about it being uh, uh, the seven seventy sixers. Yeah, you know uh, Boston in the seventy sixers. Well, now Brooklyn's in the talk. Now Brooklyn has joined the group chat. You know who out of those top three have has what it takes. If Boston is on a five five. Um, Streak as of right now, out of the ten, who's going to fill that number one slot? Uh, who's going to fill it? You know. Well, and, and the other thing with Brooklyn that I want to, I do want to touch on while we're talking about them is, you know, everybody was kind of up in arms when they gave the head coaching job to Jacques Vaughn. You mm-hmm. know, and not only did they give him the job for this year, but they get, went ahead and gave him a contract to cover twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four season too. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm going, okay, Chuck Vaughn's not been a head coach. What are we doing here? Why? Not that he's a bad coach. I'm not, you know, yeah. good basketball mind, but but what's the deal? And, and the talk, you know, it, it was a done deal. MAU, you know, Udoka to Brooklyn. Yeah. Boston's going to cut him loose, not even make you trade for him. But that that is a move that seems to be working for Brooklyn. And, and I think here was the, the thought process looking back now. It's easy to say looking back now maybe what the thought process was. But Jacques Vaughn's kind of a calming presence here. He was already in the organization. We just promote him. We go ahead and tell him, listen, we're going to give you a, a year's, another year's contract. You're not you know, a lame duck coach. See what you can do. Whereas if you bring in Udoka, you're looking at more controversy on top of what was already going on. Right. And at the time, I was like everybody else, why are you doing this? I'm up in arms. Hey, you, you had your chance at a championship caliber basketball coach that for whatever reason Boston is done with, go get him. Like, if you're going to move on from Steve Kerr, go get you an established championship caliber basketball coach. 
They chose not to, and it's paying off yeah. dividends. And I, I think it just goes back to sometimes it's not so much about how a coach handles the strategy, the X's and O's and all of that, but how does he run that locker room? What do exactly. they see? It's the atmosphere. Right? And, and the people on the inside in Brooklyn looked at that. They said, you know, we're, we're going to cut bait with Steve Kerr for whatever reason, whether that be Kevin Durant, because I still don't buy that Kevin Durant didn't know that that move was going on. Yeah. Uh, but, but whatever that reason was, we're going to cut bait there. But we don't think that Udoka bringing him in is going to be a good move for the organization in totality. I, I at this point you've got to applaud Brooklyn for looking at the bigger picture. Right. Because if they make that decision in the heat of the moment, we may be talking about a completely different scenario. Who would have thought at the beginning of the year, uh, even a month ago, that we would be talking about Brooklyn taking now Boston at this point? That they're a team that is very dangerous. You know, a month ago we were on this show talking about Kyrie still wanting out and the possibility of Kevin Durant getting traded exactly, and, yeah. and all this. And now we're talking about they may be in the conference finals, you right. know, when it's all said and done. So, hey, uh, power to you. You've got it going, but you've got to look at it and say, is this sustainable? You've got to have a sit-down meeting with Kevin Durant and Kyrie and say, hey, is this something you're good with? Is this something you're comfortable moving forward on? And if so, we're going to go get the pieces. We're going to look at the draft. We're going to look in free agency. Have those type of conversations instead of, Where's Kyrie going? How do we get rid of Durant's contract and all those type things? Hey, power to Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and think about it. You know, you mentioned you know uh, the coach having a calming demeanor about himself. So mm-hmm. I say that say because you, you you're right. It's not about the X's and O's. It's more about can you keep us together as a team? What's the chemistry like off the court as yeah. well? You know, and I always talk about, you know, the chemistry off the court is just as important, if not more important, than when it is on the court or on the field. Yeah. You know, how you bond as a team uh, and staff, you know, that reflects how you will perform on the field or coach, mm-hmm. you know, with it's game time. And so you looking back, going back to the 2020, you know, Lakers, you look at that team, great team, had chemistry, great chemistry. But if you look at it, Frank Vogel, you know, he was the calm type of laid-back, chill coach. The only thing that happened with him was the X's and O's. You know, yeah. he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't, to an extent, have that, you know, quite figured out in, in the ending of his career. Yeah, as, his rotation. In Los Angeles, his rotation was horrible. He didn't know how to fix it. And so, but he was that calm, chill, laid-back coach who the guys at that point, the Lakers needed that. Uh, because you come off two bad seasons um, prior to that, you know, with Luke Walton and uh, Mike D'Antoni and uh, Mike Brown and all these guys. You came off all these bad seasons, and you finally got a guy that's kind of laid back, and, you know, chill, let's put this together and get it working. And they did, and they won a championship. And so with the Nets here, you know, you have that coach, and right now you're seeing that it's starting, that the advantage of it is, okay, maybe he he does something or he – Coaches a certain way, or says something a certain way that get uh, that clicks in Kyrie's or KD's mind. Say, okay, I'm willing to play. I'm willing to follow this guy. He knows what he's talking about. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. The Nets did make a very good decision because when you go outside of the locker room and hire a guy in and bring a guy in, especially with uh, all the controversy that was following and come along with it, 
you could add more, you know, fuel to the fire, you know, mm-hmm. and he doesn't respond to something the yeah. right way, you know. And so you, you stay within the locker room and you, you figure out, okay, this guy, you know, he has what it takes. He's been here. The players know him. Uh, they have a relationship with him. They have chemistry with him. Let's just promote him. And they did a very good job looking at it now uh, because I was just, just like you, you know, what changed in their mind? Why did they just give up on that? You know, because right. it was there, it was happening, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. But um, I just say, you know, for Brooklyn, you know, stay on the roll. And if they stay on this roll, who knows? Because, mm-hmm. heck, we didn't see this coming at the beginning of the season. We no. thought this is going to be a bust. Yeah. It's going to be a bad season for Brooklyn. But it's turning out uh, the total opposite. And, and, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually good because, I, like I, I said last week, I want to see KD get uh, one or two more, and I want to see Kyrie get another one. And mm-hmm. right now they have the opportunity to do so as you know as a team. Well, yeah, I, like I said, kudos to the Brooklyn front office. Uh, clearly knowing things that, hey, weren't necessarily public, what was going on in that locker room. And you, you've got your team now in the position that everybody wanted when you made these moves. You know, you brought these guys in to do exactly uh, what they're doing in Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And then you look at the Western Conference. Now, the Western Conference is the one that is a... that that Those standings look worse than a rush hour traffic jam in Los Angeles. Because listen to this top five. You've got the Nuggets at 24 and 12, the Grizzlies at 23 and 13, the Pelicans at 23 and 14, the Mavs at 21 and 16, and the Clippers at 21 and 17. That's the top four right now in the Western Conference. Out of those four teams, nobody would have believed that the Nuggets and Grizzlies would be atop the Western Conference. The Nuggets, yes. The Grizzlies, no. But not at the number one. I, I thought the Nuggets were a playoff team. Yeah. I wouldn't have put them in the top I, it, <laughs> the Nuggets, Dude. yeah, the Nuggets have been booing, booing, if that word we were saying. But they've been kind of up and down uh, for the last two years, you yeah. know. They've been a very good team with uh, Jokic there. Yeah, um, Joker. And he, man, that that's a solid guy. Yeah, I mean, he's averaging, or, or he's uh, got 25.6 points per game. Yeah. 25.6 a game. So I mean, you, you with a player like that and the team built around him. See, that's the thing. They it's built with the, they, with the Mavericks, and, and I've they, got some. Yeah, I'm gonna get to that in a minute because yeah. I've got some stats I want to talk about with these top two teams uh, for sure in the Grizzlies and the Nuggets because those are the two that hey, yeah. You look at that, you go, what are they doing? So you've got Joker with 25.6 a game, averaging 25.6 a game. Jamal Murray's averaging 18 points per game. And then after that, you've got Aaron Gordon with 17.1 a game. Michael Porter Jr. with 16.7 a game. That's a team effort. Yeah. Everybody. You've got playing. one guy above 20 points per game. Everybody else that's spreading the basketball that's just playing team basketball. Yeah. Then you go to the Grizzlies. All right. John, Mar- uh, John Morant is 27.2 points per game, averaging 27.2. Then you've got Desmond B- uh, Bain with 21.8. After that, it's Dylan Brooks, 17.2. And Jaron Jackson Jr. with 15.9. Team basketball. Yeah. See, everybody, <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Everybody is, is what I say, everybody's get, getting a chance to eat. Yeah. You know, there's not one player that's taking all the shots. Everybody's getting a chance to eat. And 
and that pays off. If you're seeing it right now, I mean, the Nuggets has figured it out. And, it's, it, I mean, it's good because I've seen them in the playoffs these last two, three years where, you know, they've gotten there. But they quite couldn't quite finish. You know, they couldn't, you know, they got beat out by the Lakers uh, in 2020. And turn around the next uh, season, and last year, they got beat out again. Yeah. So this year, you know, we're looking at them, you know, being the, if they're the number one seed right now in, or the number one team in the West, uh, looking at it, it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't shock me because it, they, they've been at it for just like um, the uh, 76ers over on the East Coast have been. You know, they've been at it for years. And so it's found, they're finally getting to where they can sustain uh, themselves as a team. And like I said, everybody is in the double digits scoring-wise, average-wise, scoring average-wise. And, and looking at it now, if they continue this, continue this, um, they could be a team to make it you know, to the finals. I won't say they could win, but I say they could make it. I don't think because you're gonna run. Jokic, he's while he is good, he's very good. He runs into players that can stop the the rest of them because he can't do it by himself. Well, that's what's happened in the past that they yeah. isolated him and put him on an island. Right. You've got to. And, and, and to me, you know, we talk about the Joker as if he's one of the top guys. And in today's NBA, he's 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 in the conversation. But but what keeps him from being that guy is he we have yet to see Jokic take over a basketball game where he single handedly says, you know what, you want to isolate me, that's fine, but we're going to win no yep. matter what. Whereas consistently in the playoffs, we saw it, you know, like you said in twenty twenty, we uh, with the, with the the Lakers, with the Lakers, where they they said, okay, let him shoot. Mm-hmm. We're gonna stop everybody else. We're gonna let him play. Right. I mean, nobody would have ever said that to Magic Johnson. Nobody would have ever said that to Larry Bird. Nobody would have. Ever, nobody would say it to Kevin Durant. Yeah. Now, uh, nobody would say it really to Steph Curry. I mean, you, there's certain guys out there that you don't go. We're gonna let them shoot, and then we're just. No. Gonna, and, you don't say it to Jason Tatum. No, because you know that those guys can single-handedly Chain. take over a game. Yeah. Whereas we have not... I'm not saying he's not capable. I think he is. He's a great basketball talent. Mm-hmm. But he has yet to step into that role and say, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to take over and we're going to win this basketball And game. maybe his teammates give him that room to do so, you know, along down the stretch. Say, hey, man, listen, we're going to put the games game in your hands. You know, we you're the leading guy, you know. You're the captain of this ship on the court, and so we're gonna let you, you know, take control. Maybe they do that sometime along down this 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 home stretch, but until then, I do believe that Jokic uh, will continue to score. He, he, you know, he puts up good points, but until they run into that team that's like, you go ahead and do you. We got the rest of these guys. Until they run into that team, I think they have the uh, the ability to kind of run the West as as of right now. The Grizzlies, for me, that's the shocker. Yeah, uh, and John Morant may be one of the most underrated basketball players of the league. He right is. Now. I mean, really, he he doesn't get because of you know you're in Memphis. It's kind of a forgotten team. Yeah, I mean, even even the Joker with the Nuggets, you know, they're kind of in and out of the national picture. Yeah. But they're up there in Denver. You don't get to watch a lot of their games. You don't yeah. get to watch a lot of Memphis well, play. John Morant is the kid. Is I mean, he's a hooper. He just balls he, out. He is, and and so when you 
a lot of players, I, you know, when Allen Iverson came into the NBA, it was sort of the same thing. Great uh, ball handling skills. Um, just could hoop, you know, all around hooper. He wasn't getting as much attention because he came in, you know, when Jordan was uh, getting ready to leave out, but Jordan was still a big name. And then Kobe was just kind of, you know, taking off. So mm-hmm. you 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 come in amongst these big names and you kind of like the four, you like behind the shadows of them until you start to put your stamp on your own game and people start to realize, man, this guy can really play. It's kind of the same with John Morant. People know it, people see it, but it's not fully recognized. And I think what's going what what what's going to happen is he's going John Morant's going to get to a point to where he's going to make people believe that hey. I'm that guy. Yeah. You know, I'm that guy you're going to want to stop. Um and I think he's and he's such a versatile player, you know, he can shoot, he can he can play in the paint. He's athletic. He's just all over the court. You can't necessarily put uh, a a uh, pin on him because he's versatile. Mm-hmm. He's that good of a player. And Memphis Memphis of all teams are very very lucky to have him. I don't of all, of all teams, because like you said, Memphis Grizzlies, for them to be in the talks right now, at the top. Yeah. <laughs> nobody would have saw this. Didn't happen last year. Right. You know, or the year before. Now it's all of a sudden a thing. So, uh, and they're competing with the Golden State Warriors. They are. You know? So, the well, championship. Over, you know, I, I, yeah. The Warriors over. are like the back burner right now out yeah. there. And, you know, and, and that's the thing that we've talked about endlessly on this show is the Warriors, that was a fluke. Like, that was their yeah. last two raw. Yeah, they went and just uh, chugged one out um, this last time with that. Took advantage of the rest of the league. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the Warriors with Steph Curry, and I don't know how long Steph may end his career there as a Warrior. Yeah. Uh, I don't see him going anywhere, but... The Warriors with Steph is still a team to talk about because, you know, Steph Curry. Um, mm-hmm. But Steph Curry hasn't been on the decline, but he has had some injury issues here lately, of late, uh, these last few seasons. And so you have to kind of pay attention to that uh, with them. But, yeah, for the Memphis to, for Memphis to be able to compete with them and stay in games, man, that says something, you know, that's big. That is. You know, this is they're the defending champs. But but all of this really shows the shift that we're seeing in the NBA. Yeah. That that the teams that over the last five years to a decade now that we've counted on, they're not there. They're not. They're not. You know, they're they're kind of in the periphery. You know, and, and they're going to be in the playoffs, but they're not at that top end conversation. Uh, you know, Dallas has kind of been hanging around in that conversation. And Matt, you- but but this is the year that they're actually kind of in it. But for the most part, most of those teams that we've just become accustomed to hate, yeah. end of the year, here's the teams we're looking at, they're not really there outside of Milwaukee. you know. And so I, I think we're starting to see, and, and just in the statistics I read off to you, we're starting to see a shift in the NBA to more of a spread the ball out, let everybody get their touches. We're going to play an overall team game. You know, a basketball instead of just your one guy. And, and I think a lot of it goes back to people have been watching Denver for the last two or three years when they got one of the top-end players mm-hmm. and can't win. That when it comes down to it, you, you look at Houston. 
uh, for years with James Harden can't win. And, and they're looking at this going, man, if you don't build a team, and this has been my gripe with Dallas, you know, mm-hmm. the Mavericks, at some point you've got to build a team because out of the teams that I read off to you that are in the, the top end of the playoff picture, you do have Luka Doncic now uh, averaging three or four points a game compared to everybody else. But it's because he has to. It's not yeah. a good thing. It's it's well, a it, hey, he's so got to do. I, I, I seen a headline, you know, after we had discussed this uh, last week. I seen a headline about Luka Doncic and how how long will he last? Can he last doing this by himself? Because you you know the he's had a big week. Uh, he has uh, uh, last week. He had, he has a big week. He's had a big week uh, scoring wise. You know. Pretty He's much doing get it his point. Yeah, I mean, pretty I, much doing it by himself. I mean the 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 nine point you know get back in the final seconds of the game, uh, and then leading them to a win in overtime. That's big, man. Yeah, you know, and then scoring you know uh, fifty one on Spurs when uh, Popovich said you know we're gonna hold him below fifty. Uh, he went above fifty. Yeah, and, you know so and that's one of the better defensive minded basketball coaches yes. out there. It's, He's a special talent, but he's being wasted. Like, we're going to look back, and we're going to say the best years of Luka Doncic's career were wasted. Because they didn't... And I'm just... The question with the with Dallas' front office, or anybody in charge, Mark Cuban, whoever, what are you doing, man? You have a, a championship caliber player. Put a, a champion, good coach. A good coach. Put a, cha- put a team around him and go win. And instead, you've traded pieces... Time after time after time. Yes, and, and and then the question comes up is, well, who won that trade? Surely not the Mavericks. You no, but if you look their returns, it's not like those guys are yeah. stepping up and filling the gap. Like, no. It's just not happening. You you, you trade Steph, uh, uh, not Steph, Seth Curry, Seth Curry uh, Porzingis. And, the, and, the Porzingis deal really didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he kind of helped offset some things. With Luca, he was a presence on the court that had to be respected, and you trade him off. Yeah, right? and he was your big guy, and then you have Steph Curry on you. I mean, Steph Curry, Steph Curry on your wing, your shooter. Yeah, you. I mean, man, that those are three. You know, just that's the three guy, but that does numbers and wonders for your team just to have them their presence on that court. Right, because now the defenses have to respect them. Right, right now the defense doesn't have to respect anybody but Luca. Let's yeah. go after Luca. You know, if I'm whoever. I'm saying, okay, we're going to trap Luca at the top of the key and we're going to make him throw pass the ball around. Yes. Like we're going to let the other jokers shoot and see what happens and take our chances. And more often than not, you're going to win those basketball games against Dallas. I mean, they just don't have the team around them. Yeah. Uh, so a lot as we move down into the stretch time of the NBA where for – Really, the first time in a while, it's really interesting. Like, the, the regular season yeah. has some interest to it. It's not just, okay, let's get to the playoffs and let these four teams, four, five, six teams duke it out. It's, hey, we've got some competitions going oh, on yeah. within the conference. Yeah. And really and truly, that's what's good for the NBA. Right. Like, the, the fact that the super teams didn't work is good for the NBA. Yeah. That it wasn't a sustainable model. That was good for the NBA. Yeah. Well, see, I meant, I said something like that a couple of days ago where I said you build these super teams and they only last for a minimum of three to five years. Yeah. yeah that's it. I mean, you look at look at Miami, like, between three to five years. 
with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. Three to five years, you know. They got two championships out of it. But three to five years. Uh, uh, look at um, uh, the Warriors. Five years. Five years at the most. Yeah. I mean, and that wasn't necessarily a super team. You, They just got good players. But you look at teams like that, and you and you – you you see where they were at their peak. Now there's is they're kind they're declining, they're coming back to earth, down to earth. You know where, from where they to where they started. Uh, the Lakers, as well. Uh, in 2020, you get LeBron James, AD. You know you building the super Dwight team. Howard. The White Howard. You know, developing. You build the super team, and now look where they're at. You know, and so super teams aren't working anymore. They never did work. You they didn't have them back then. I don't know why they think they will work now. And I think that's what... Well, it goes back to the decision with LeBron when he you know, publicized, yeah. okay? And so that kind of brought some attention on... Well, okay. Well, put put together your big three, yeah. you know? Well, okay. And, you know, you've been notoriously have said, and others as well, Steph Curry ruined the game of basketball. Yeah. We say that. I, I've we, said that all Yeah, time. But when will we say LeBron James ruined basketball? With well, that big move. Well, LeBron ruined professional basketball. The reason I, I say what I do about Steph Curry is Steph Curry ruined basketball from the top down. Because Steph Curry changed the way that players tried to play the game. LeBron James just ruined it from the perspective of trying to take over a team and trying to be pull a Tom Brady and run an organization while being a player at the same time. So I think that they both ruined the game but in different ways. Yeah. Uh, LeBron ruined it, like I said, in the sense of not only am I going to be the player, I'm going to be the coach, I'm going to be the GM, and now you know I'm, I'm, I want to play owner. Um, whereas Steph, the, the reason that I've... And, and it's not necessarily critical of Steph. That's who Steph Curry is. But the reason that I've been so outspoken about the fact that he ruined the game of basketball is that his style changed the way that everybody else tried to play the game. Now everybody thinks that they can be a three-point shooter. Everybody, you know, and, and you start looking and go, why do you think that? Like, what makes you think <laughs> that you can do that? But I, it, it's just that for the last decade, that's what we've watched him do. Uh, and, and that's funny to say that we've watched that for a decade now. I mean, we're coming into 2023. Yeah. We've watched this for 10 years. Uh, but, but I agree with you. It, LeBron changed the way that teams tried to do things. And now we're seeing it revert back to what it was before the decision. Yeah. Which I think is good. I yeah, think I that's think good that, for that, basketball. Yeah. That, that's it's the best thing that could happen, honestly. Uh, but you see, you're seeing teams now that's trying to function. And they're, they're uh, with these uh, super teams. Uh, and the Brooklyn is one of them. You know, you, you have Kyrie Irving, you have Kevin Durant. I mean, come on. Uh, two of the top players in the NBA. Uh, so you have those guys, and they're starting to figure it out now. So it's a good thing, but it doesn't work for everybody. And um, and I think that's where teams have to find their identity because you can't. I mean, Lakers have to find their identity. Uh, they're obviously lacking in it right now, I mean, even though they're on a two-game win streak. Uh. I want to jinx it. I'm not going to say anything because they're my team. Too much about that, but uh, they're they're lacking in identity and who they are as a team. What Coach Ham wants to make them a hard nosed, 
play defense, small ball type of, you know, yeah. get your, you know, play inside the paint type of basketball well, team, but you've got to build a roster that does, does that. Yeah. Now, you have that in AD, you've got that in, in Westbrook, but it goes back to what are you going to do with LeBron? Yeah. I, you know, you have it in Pat Bev. But <laughs> you look at it, man. Uh, Darvin Ham played with some rough dudes. He played with the Pistons when they had uh, Rashid Wallace and Ben Wallace. Yeah. You know, Tayshawn uh, uh, Prince, um, Billups, Chauncey Billups and Hamilton. So, I mean, he played with a good, very good uh, Pistons team with some rough guys. I mean, what man, these guys right now, some of them, or maybe even the majority, wouldn't be able to last with Ben yeah. Wallace and Rasheed Wallace on the court. Those dudes were rough. You know, kind of like the Saint coming of the, the original Bad Boy <laughs> yeah. Pistons. Yeah, yeah. And so those guys were rough, and and Darvin Ham played with them. So that's why Darvin Ham is such a uh, defensive minded coach. You know, that's where that hard nose. Uh, we're going to play defense and shut you and stop you. That's where it comes from. Yeah, that's how. He, that's what he knows. That's how he played. So I mean, I don't want to talk. Cause I don't want to talk too much about the Lakers uh, because. I don't want to jinx it, but... She had to get him in the show. Yeah, just a little bit. That's you. These last two weeks, we kind of ranted about LeBron James. I didn't want to do that this week. It was just his birthday. He's getting... He's, he's getting... He's coming, in, he's coming an old man. He's two years away from 40. Well, he needs to learn that. He needs <laughs> he to figure that out. He scored 40... He scored 47. Well, good for him. And then he scored... That's not a sustainable He scored 47. I'm sorry. I can't oh, stand LeBron speaking of Speaking of points... uh. What's his name? Donovan Mitchell put up 71 last yes, night. Yes, I saw that. That's crazy, man. It is. Uh, he's another He's another one that's underrated. underrated. Yes. yes. Donovan Mitchell is a very underrated yeah. basketball player. Uh, but 71, man, you know, that gum. I don't think that's been done since Devin Booker did it earlier yeah. in his rookie, rookie season. So, I mean, hey, there's a lot of talent. I'll say that about the NBA. There's a lot of talent out there. Yeah, it's just a matter of who's gonna build around that, those type of talents and put themselves in a position not only to win this season or next season, but in the seasons, you know, yeah. still ahead. Yeah, and so that's kind of where we're at in the NBA now. Kind of shifting now to the college scene. By the way, how watered down has the bowl stuff got? Like, there's been there's what five six bowl games this weekend, and I didn't watch any of them. Like outside uh, of the I playoff I games, I didn't watch yeah, any. No, I didn't either. I. I love Nick Saban, Alabama, but I mean, yeah. why, why watch it? Was it matter? I, I, I watched the ones, you know, uh, where I can't remember who it was now, but it was Big Twelve to beat a SEC. Oh, it was the Ole Miss. Oh yeah, oh, I watched that game uh, where uh, was it Tech? Yeah, Texas Tech, Tech took it yeah. to Ole Miss. I, I watched that game, and that was the only one I watched. But I kept up with them throughout the weekend. Uh, as yeah, you, know, we, you, you keep we had up. A bi- we had a busy weekend, me and you both. So. Uh, so we, I, I kept up with them, but what, the one that shocked me the most was not the, the, uh, L, uh, no, the old Miss one, but Texas, the yeah. Lone Lakers. I am, and that's my team, but I am disappointed. I, but what was worse was, was the way that Steve Sarkeesian treated the ESPN guy. Yeah, you know, for doing his job. For doing you know? his job, and then he turns around and gets beat. <laughs> so, like, man, listen. You know, but Texas is, I mean, you, you have, 
I'm starting to think it's it's going to look very promising for Arch Manning over there now. I'm, I'm not, and that's I'm not talking about down on Quinn e, uh, Ewers, but as I, I don't think Quinn Ewers is going to stay there too much longer. I don't think I don't even see him staying until staying for his senior year. Well, Quinn Ewers may have been one of the most overrated quarterback prospects we've seen in a long time coming out of Texas. Uh, I mean, because he was he was brilliant at South Lake Carroll. Yeah. That he made that decision, and it seems like ever since he made that decision to jump ship his senior year and try and play at and Ohio yeah, State, yeah, yeah, on it, that, that it set him back. Yeah. But the other takeaway I took from that bowl game with Texas is they're not where we thought they were. No. And they got one more year to get it together, and then the SEC comes calling. And you have to go play with the big boys every single week. And I think that's what Quint Ewers kind of fades into the abyss. <laughs> yeah. Um, because Arch Manning is signed, sealed, delivered. He delivered. He's going there. You know, he's yeah. He's committed. He's going there to Texas. At uh, least for a year. Yeah. With the way well, the transfer portal is. Yeah. At least for a year. I, well, you, you could be right. Uh, but he's going there. And with Quinn Ewers, I just want to see if he, how he's going to last in the SEC when they do get up to the SEC. Yeah. Um, but I will say this, kind of to hop off Texas and, and kind of look at the Big 12 as a whole. I will say this, you know, you had the Big 12. You know, a lot of the Big 12 teams made a bowl game. Uh, some lost, some won. But the ones that did win were the, unex- uh, the unexpected ones. Uh, not just the bowl game. You know, we'll talk about TCU here in a minute. But... Um, the ones that did, like Texas Tech being the SEC team, uh, a top one of the top SEC teams, that was un. I, I didn't see that coming. No, and, and you know I, now Ole Miss had some opt outs and all. Of yeah, that, that was but, a big but part you, of it. You definitely took away going. Okay, Lane Kiffin's going to hit the reset button and try and and get back to where he knows they can possibly be next yeah. season. Uh, but hey. Props to Texas Tech. They they played some tough teams very close. They won yeah. some games. I Even mean, with yeah against TCU, who, you know. But th- this is why I say you can't underestimate the Big Twelve teams. And, and when I say Big Twelve, I, I, let me just kind of clarify what teams I'm talking about. Uh, the Texas uh, Big Twelve teams are in Texas. The Big Twelve, those Big Twelve teams. Um, because you look at the SEC, that's the South teams. And you look at Texas. Well, at the Big 12 teams uh, that are, are in Texas. And Texas is part of the South. And this is this is what, what I'm uh, the comparison I'm making. You have just as much talent in Texas than you do in the SEC. You have just as much talent. Uh, top star players, four-star players, five-star players that are going to these teams, that are going to TCU, that are going to uh, the Longhorns, uh, University of Texas, that are going to uh, Texas Tech, that are going to all these two, these schools in Texas. And I think that's what it is. Because when we look at the SEC, we're saying, okay, only the big guys, the, the big-time players go to the SEC, like Alabama or or. Uh, Tennessee or Georgia. Georgia, LSU, only they go there. But no, that's not true. And I said this uh, a while back during the show, is that guys now are starting to starting to re- realize 
I don't have to go to uh, Alabama just to win. I don't have to go to Georgia. I don't have to go to LSU. I can go here and still be just as good and just as uh, productive as if I were to go there and may not get a chance to start amongst everybody else. And so when you put a team like Texas Tech against the Ole Miss, you know, you're looking, okay, this is going to be a blowout, blowout because you're looking at the Big 12 team versus a uh, SEC. And we know the SEC to be who they are as one of the top conferences in the world, in the nation. Um, and the Big 12 is kind of like the undershadow of them. Yeah. And so you're not looking at it to be a good game. But Texas Tech proved something. Hey, we can be just as good as you guys on any given day. Yeah. Just like Texas did with Alabama at the beginning of the season. We're we're capable of beating you. We can be just as good as you are on any given day. If you give us a if you even give us a peak of a chance to win the game, we're gonna take it. And that's what Texas Tech showed to Ole Miss. Now, of course, they might have had some opt-outs and some guys. Uh, but still, you look at that game and say, you know what? That's just as good a team as anybody else in the SEC. Uh and you, you look look back at it, um, you know, when Texas play in a national championship in 2010 against Alabama. Probably wouldn't ex- wouldn't have expected a tech that team to be in that position. That was a very good Texas team, mm-hmm. you know, with Colt McCoy's final final year there, you yeah. know, and Shipley and all those guys. So you're looking at it and you're saying they did it did it then what happened between, between then and, and and now to where the the Big 12 has kind of gotten where it's like oh it's just it's just Texas. Oh, it's just Texas. It's just Tech. It's just TCU. You know, these used to be top. These were these are top schools. Used to be top schools. Well, I, I think a large part of it is you know the Big Twelve went through that stretch where everybody scored. Like nobody wanted to play defense. TCU played a little bit of defense, and you know TCU had that one year under Gary Patterson where they were kind of in the conversation and. Then, uh, they they fell out, mm-hmm. and so you had that one team playing defense, and everybody else was just putting up a bunch of points. And I think it also hurt the Big Twelve that Oklahoma would make the playoffs and get blown out. Like yeah. Even with Baker Mayfield, they'd make the playoffs and get blown out. So I think it it kind of built or or, or sold the narrative that hey, the Big Twelve can't play with the the, the big guys, the big guys yeah. because they can't stop anybody. And so I think that you're still that mentality is still there that. You know, nobody in the Big 12 plays defense. Everybody thought, okay, here's the year that Oklahoma's going to step it up because not only are they going to have that offense, they're going to play defense, and then that completely, you know, went down the tubes. Yeah. Oklahoma State, you know, has been that team that's tried to play a little bit of defense over the last couple of seasons, and that went down the tubes. Then you had Texas hit the mountaintop with playing with Alabama and then hit the valley. Yeah. You know, that, so, so you look at Texas and you go, well, that's not sustainable. So I think that's why it shocks us when Texas Tech beats an Ole Miss or now TCU wins their bowl game which or and playoff game, which we're going to talk about here in just a second. But the other bowl games that stood out to me, uh, Alabama, of course, blew out Kansas State 45-20. Uh, they pulled Tua Tonga-Vailoa early so that he could get his standing ovation. Great moment there. Uh, as he says goodbye to the Alabama fan base, he, you know, the very next day, declare officially declared for the NFL draft. You mean uh, Bryce Young? Bryce Young. Who did I say? Uh, Tua. Oh well, hey, I thought they had brought him out on the field. I didn't watch that game. Uh, yeah, Bryce Young. Not, 
not to a tongue of my low, I had him on my brain. Uh, <laughs> but Bryce Young, you know, gets his moment in the sun and, and they move on. But I still maintain, though this weekend definitely went different in the playoff picture than everybody predicted. Yeah. Us I, included. I predicted it. Well, you didn't have TCU beat Michigan. You said, what if they do? But you didn't necessarily come out and say they'd do it. That was an inkling. I, I mean, it was an inkling in my mind that they Okay, but on out. this show, you did not come out and I say... I said, what if? I said, Okay, what if. exactly. You said, what if? So I put it up in the air and let it float. And they obviously came down. It caught hope. Oh, well, yeah. okay, but listen. Out, despite that, I still maintain Alabama was one of the top teams. In oh, the yeah. Country. I mean, yeah. That... Because <laughs> it's Alabama. I still maintain that they should have been in yeah. the playoffs. Alabama picture. shouldn't have played a bowl game. They shouldn't no. have played a bowl game. And they showed why. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of, And it was kind of odd because, you know, we said this a couple of weeks. Nobody was talking about that bowl game. No, Alabama, because even though it's Alabama, they're playing Kansas State. Like, like who cares? Yeah. Uh, Which is where we're at in college football, by the way, where there's a bunch of teams that nobody yeah, cares like, about. Kansas like, if you're not there so from whatever, there, you dude. just don't want to yeah. watch them. But also, not just that, but LSU took it to Purdue last night. And that's with Drew Brees being the quarterback coach. An offensive coordinator, I think. Where, at uh, Purdue? Yeah, the, the, for this game. When did that happen? Uh, when they fired their head coach and one of his ex-teammates got the interim job. Yeah. He's been working out with them for the past, I don't know, three or four weeks, well, past month now, getting ready for the bowl game. Didn't work. I'm, well, it didn't three, work out I, you, at all. That well, you need out. more than three four weeks. But. Well, yeah, but I mean... No. Yeah, it's just one of those LSU drove him. LSU's a good football team. Yeah. You know, we we gave Brian Kelly a hard time. Yeah. I agree. But that was a disaster starting out, but he he turned that ship around. Okay, but that proves our argument for the last, that went on for a month about these college playoffs, about how good these teams were and how close they were to being in the top four, like LSU, uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Alabama, those three, all ex, all SEC teams. Yeah, it would have been an SEC showdown uh, with Michigan in it. I don't think Ohio State should have been there, but uh, with Michigan, it was kind of Michigan. I was pulling for Michigan, but I didn't see that happening. But no. either way, that that it with L, with these but, SEC teams. But Other this, than Ole Miss. This, these bowl games proved why the twelve team playoff is happening. Yeah, like because it, it showed not, why they are doing it. They're not in the same caliber, man. It no. it, it would have been better if you put Alabama against LSU. I mean, but that probably, that wasn't going to happen. Been no. cool if it would have, but it was not. It wasn't going to happen. But if you're Alabama, you know everybody. Everybody's all doomsday about Alabama. Oh, now it's you know the thing. Times are changing over in Alabama. No, no, Alabama is still Alabama, and and they will be Alabama until the day that Nick Saban says, "I'm going." And even then, hey, if Lane Kiffin or somebody likes it, like that takes that job, it's still I, I say a it top recruited team, you know? man. You're still going to get. Guys. He walked away from the early signing period with one uh, with the number one class uh, in the er- early signing period. Mm-hmm. The players that everybody's worried, oh, well, why are they jumping in the portal? Those are not starters. It's not like he's losing any. No. You know, now he is going to have to figure out the, the quarterbacking situation now with Bryce Young gone. 
but you trust that he will, that he's going to reload, he's going to be back out there, and they're going to get this thing figured out. There is questions about whether, you know, Bill O'Brien, does he stay there? Does he go to the NFL? He has, you know, supposedly been contacted about some NFL jobs, uh, not head Bill coaching. For, he to, was he with Houston? <laughs> yeah, the Houston head coach. He was the one that messed everything up, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he want to go back there. Well, hey, people are calling him for the offensive coordinator jobs. Don't. What? Hey. But <laughs> <laughs> don't. He messed the Houston Texans up and then left. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I'll see y'all later. I'm going to Alabama. Um, but but that's you know kind of where they're at. So so there are some questions, but you expect Alabama to be Alabama next year. Yeah. Uh, the other bowl game that was shocking to me is USC lost. <laughs> and they lost to Tulane. Not not some big school. Not a not a top end. Tulane is a Tulane. Uh, 46 to 45. Close game. But you lost. You're USC. How do you lose to Tulane? Okay. Does that take away from the type of season that uh Lincoln Riley had? No. First year. It will, but it should. Yeah. First year uh, coming from Big 12 over to the Pac-12. and but, Okay, but granted, I will say, it's back to the same old Lincoln Riley who runs a team that can't play defense. What you is he missing? Six, you gave up 16 points in four minutes, man. <laughs> what is he missing? It's, it's his mentality. It goes back to it doesn't matter who your defensive coordinator is. I'll go back. I'll, you know, that was the deal with Jeff Trailer down here in East Texas for years. It didn't matter who his defensive coordinator was. He's going to give up 50-60 a game. Why? Because he instilled it in his players. I don't care how much you give up because we're going to go score 70. You know, and, and it doesn't matter what your defensive coordinator tells you guys. If they see the head coach really doesn't care, I'm like, okay. It doesn't matter. Can't. We're going to go score. It's like, it's like. Uh, now, now, that's not sustainable by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. It's like eating a uh, hot foot Sunday and being like, okay. I know this is a hot fudge Sunday, but something's missing. When you look, there's no hot fudge. You know? Yeah. And so it's like with Lincoln Riley, you know it's Lincoln Riley, but I when still he say plays, he made a great decision by the oh, way. Oh yeah, no see. doubt. But it's like there's always something missing with him. Yeah. I mean, does he does he change his coaching philosophy and starts to play defense so that way it can balance out and you actually win? Uh not pointless game, but at least win games against teams that you should beat. And, and the thing is, he did this without a whole bunch of opt-outs. I mean, he said Caleb Williams, and listen to these statistics. Caleb Williams goes 37 for 52 with 462 yards, five touchdowns, and loses the football game. To a guy who, on the other end, uh, went 8 for 17 and uh, with 234 yards and two touchdowns passing. Uh, Caleb Williams... Yeah, Michael Pratt out of Tulane. Mike Caleb Williams may have other stuff to think about. Was oh. that his his dad? They're in the headlines right now for touching his girlfriend's butt during the game. No, that's uh, the starting quarterback for Michigan. Oh yeah, Michigan. Sorry, Caleb. My bad. That didn't happen. Yeah, but still. It, Caleb Williams. It, going back to Lincoln Riley, did he make the right decision? Yes. 
Do I think he's got USC back on the national map? Absolutely. Do I think that they were a playoff conversation team? Yes, I do. But that's bad for your program. That, that's something that is puts a bitter taste in everybody's mouth going into the offseason. Mm-hmm. You've got to buckle down and say, you know what? This isn't going to happen again. We're going to go out there. We're actually going to win the Pac-12 this time. And we're going to go get in the playoffs. We're going to be one of the top four teams in the country. We're not going to wait for you know, the, the stuff to change. We're going to be one of the top four teams in the country. Period. And you gave it to Washington. Right? No, Tulane. No, no, no. Oh. Who they leave? Who they who they lose the Big Twelve? Utah, Utah, Utah. Did they play a bowl game? Yes. Who they play? Oh, uh, let me check. Utah. Man, oh, Utah. they played Penn State. That's right. They lost thirty-five twenty-one to Penn State. Penn State went 11, 11 and two quietly. By the way, <laughs> quietly went eleven and two. Yeah, that was a shh kind of season for them. Really was. Because the year before, they were definitely in the playoff picture yeah. for a while. And they fell out, and we kind of didn't talk about it. Dang. Mm. Well, I mean, that's that's why the teams on the East Coast, man, seldomly get recognition. I mean, you look, okay, uh, you look at a team like Penn State. You look at a team like... Um, like Maryland and or even Cincinnati, I think that's why they were such a big hype for the, the college board last year because they barely got recognition up around there. BYU teams like that they don't they're good they have good seasons but they don't get recognition because nobody really watches those games. Right, and, and I think that that's where the committee you know has suddenly wanted to adopt the Cinderella team every season because yeah. well they didn't get views. So now let's put them in the playoffs and see what happens. Now, in the case of TCU, that's paid off. They beat Michigan. They they beat the gorilla in the room. And if you're Michigan, that was bad. Yeah, because you're looking around. What you lose fifty one to forty five to what? TCU. You were you were picked. I mean, big to win the game by twenty points. And then your defense falls apart. Play slow, starting out. You can't get the run game going. TCU, I mean, just takes it to you defensively. Now, you make that push late in the game uh, and put yourself in a position to be successful. It doesn't work out in the end. But, man, to, to even be in that position with a minute and 30 left to go was not good. No. You know, the, the fact that it came down to those things, uh, you know, just one of those days. Did, here, here's the question. As I'm watching, you know, some of that game, Everybody's going to come out and talk about how good TCU was. For me, it was more about how Michigan di- just didn't play. They didn't show. They, they came out like a team that thought, okay, we're just going to blow them out. We're going to go play, you know, probably Georgia next week. It's no big deal. And they came out playing flat-footed and slow. Yeah. And TCU and Sonny Dykes had them fired up. So let's go, boys. Well, with Michigan, we have this saying, uh, you know, and being a Dallas Cowboy fan, you you know you'll know what I'm talking about. When you start slow, it's usually a, either a bad ending outcome for the game overall, or it's going to be a down to the wire type of game. And that's what it was for Michigan. When you start slow, when you have no sort of momentum going, 
you you put yourself on a on a on a hook to where you're hoping okay maybe we'll pick it up next by the next drive or maybe we'll get it going by the second half figure out what we have, whatever needs to be adjusted uh during halftime and go out and fix it um and get it done in the second half you put yourself in in, in situations like that rather than coming out because this and this is also why I say you never want to underestimate uh, anybody, uh, but you you put yourself in a position where you have to play catch up, and those are the games you don't want, and that's what happened with Michigan. Well, all season Michigan's been a second half football team, but they they've kept it within reason. They've yeah. not, and, and and this time it was like you you look at it was like it just spiraled out of control for them. Well, you, I, you watch their demeanor. You watch the way that kids kind of reacted to some things and you go, okay, this is not the Michigan that we've watched yeah. all season long. Well, I think because of during the season they had a pace about themselves. Yeah. That wasn't a paced out game with TCU. No. And and that's another thing. You know, it's okay if you're going at your own pace, you know, Slowly putting things together and, you know, slowly getting it. That's a pace. Yes. But when nothing's clicking and you're not doing anything, there's no momentum. You couldn't get a rhythm offensively. Yeah, and that, when that happens, then you're in trouble. You know, between having no momentum, no momentum and, and running at a pace, it's a difference. At least when you're running at a pace, you're, you're, there's some progress. Yeah. And you're getting somewhere. But with no momentum, you're just, it's like you're moving in place. You're not going anywhere. And that's what happened with Michigan, is that they didn't move at their pace. They didn't set a pace. Therefore, there was no kind of tone set for the game. And they let TCU run away with TCU did what TCU did. They came to play, and that they did, and they came out with the win. A shocking win. Nobody, I didn't see, I, 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 I did say what if it happens. Never really truly expected it to happen, but it happened. And when I saw that it was happening, I was like, wow, they're really going to beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, uh, this is for real. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't know what to say uh about Michigan um in the next season to and uh to come but Well, okay, the big question is where does Jim, Jim Harbaugh Har- yeah. stay? You know, he he flirted with NFL teams last year was I mean, a meeting away from going to Minnesota Fell through, he came back, he said, okay, you know, that ship sailed, I think, I'm not going to pursue it. But now he's right back in the mix where Jim Irsay supposedly, you know, is in the background by all accounts uh, telling people behind the scenes, hey, I want to talk to him. You know, Jim Harbaugh played in Indianapolis for a little while as a quarterback. You've got Denver who has started uh, doing some background work on him. Yeah. You, You have to ask... How long does he stay at Michigan? Or was this it? You know, is this where he goes, that's it. Yeah. I've done my due. I say with Michigan, with, he could go with, from, from Michigan. I can see he goes to either one of those two teams, whether it be Denver or, Indi- or Indianapolis. I, I don't think he's going to Denver. I, Here's I, why. It's a bad That's situation. a bad situation. But so is Indianapolis. But it's more... Tangible than, but than, you look at the jobs that are still out there. I mean, and and Carolina still hasn't said what they're going to do with Steve Wilkes, 
you know, who stepped up as the interim coach after they fired Matt Rule, so that that could be an open spot uh, there. But you look at the jobs that, as of right now, we know we're going to be open in the NFL. Those aren't good jobs. Like, you don't look at those and go, that's a great job. Now, if, if the Rams job comes open, you know, and Sean McVay decides, hey, I'm done. I'm going to go do TV or whatever it is that he wants to do and pursue. Yeah. That's not a terrible job, potentially. Uh, Then you look around if Cliff Kingsbury, because there's talk about that job. Yeah, over in Arizona. You know, being open. But do you want to go? What's the deal with Kyler Murray? Will he be healthy? What kind of a player will he be? What's his mentality, you know, moving forward? Mm -hmm. So I, I... if you're Jim Harbaugh, cool you, you know we're going to talk about some of the other openings, but but just looking at Jim Harbaugh right now, if you're Jim Harbaugh, you you've got two things to look at, okay? From the standpoint of where you're at, you're Michigan. You've beat you've dominated Ohio State two years in a row now. You mm-hmm. you've kind of got their number for whatever reason. Ryan Day has. Figured out that I'm not who I thought I was. I can't, you know, beat them. And you've been able to run the football right down their throat two years in a row. No questions asked. You've now fallen short in the the college football playoffs two years in a row. You know, fallen short. And this was really the year that you really expected to be Mm -hmm. in the, the national title game. Okay, you can look at that. And, and consider the fact that USC and UCLA are coming to the Big Ten here in uh, after next season. Yeah. And say, okay, where does this fit in? Now, we are going to 12 teams in the playoff. You you certainly believe that you would still be one of the top 12 teams in the country. So you, you expect to be a playoff team. So you, you look at where you're at there. Then look at the NFL. What jobs are, are kind of being floated out there to you? The Colts' job. Is that a good job? No. Who's going to be your quarterback? That offensive line's still not great. You don't have a great rushing attack. You know, are you magically going to step in there? Who are you getting? You know, do you think you can draft a quarterback? Are you trading for a quarterback? Who's going to be available in free agency? You've got all those questions. Then you look over in Denver. Does Do you really, if you're Jim Harbaugh, do you really want that situation? I see most of the most of the jobs in the uh, NFL compared to where he's at in Michigan now. the The difference is, the contrast is, in the NFL you got all these teams who possibly need rebuilding. Yeah, when you look at Michigan, they don't need rebuilding; just reload everything. Yeah, the, but and so that right there affects his decision. Well, that, does he want to go to the NFL and rebuild and start all over with a, a new team and players, or does he stay at Michigan to, you know, kind of reload, re, refocus, and let's try and do it again? Well, well, the question that he's got to answer is: Does he think he can win a Super Bowl before he can win a national championship? I don't think because he because he's put it out there publicly that those are his two. You know, that's his. Kind of level of expectation. Yeah. If he goes back to the NFL, it's because he was so close, you know, in San Francisco and fell short. And if he stays at Michigan, it's because he wants to see Michigan, you know, hoist the trophy again. So I- <laughs> that that's the questions he's got to answer. And with the jobs that are being kind of floated his way currently, not saying that other jobs might not 
but but with the two main ones that have been kind of thrown out there uh, over the weekend being Denver and uh, of course Indianapolis. Those you look at those two. Those that are... that's a bad job for for somebody like him. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe somebody who's already in the NFL or just wants to be in the NFL. But we're talking about a guy who could stay and be very successful in the college Super Bowl, ranks. Super Bowl caliber, caliber coach. You know, I, and, and so wh- where do you fit in? But I think that that's the big question for Michigan is, does Jim Harbaugh stay? And if he doesn't, who takes that job? What identity are you going to I'm going to throw this out there because right? I just like kind of throwing things out there. <clears throat> here, uh, I'm going to throw this out here. Uh, McVay, Sean McVay, yeah. decides to leave. I say he could possibly go back to Cali. Or I think he and would I take think, that job. And I, think, and I think if he goes to the Rams, the Rams once again will probably win another Super Bowl. Yes, because I, I, I think he would take that The Rams job. are not a broken team. I don't know what happened this season. Well, you had injuries. I mean, yeah, you had injury after injury. Well, it's and just... I think, I think uh, Stafford was not the sustainable QB that they thought. Now, he... he you know, help get them to a Super Bowl, got them to a Super Bowl, but that's because you had a good team around him. But I, I think they found out real fast he's not the sustainable quarterback. He's at the end of his career. He's at the back end of his career. He's getting ready to retire. He's not that long-term sustainable quarterback that they need. I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Baker Mayfield is. I don't know what the heck they got going with Baker Mayfield over there, but it's working. And I, I, I say that could be... Look, Baker could be looking at a long-term situation over there with with the Rams because it, it, their offense fits his playing style. Mm-hmm. There's a good defense. He's able. He now he has. He's playing with a team that has a good defense, um, a decent running game uh, with receivers that don't necessarily have to stretch the field. You just got to get the ball to him, and that's so Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. yeah, and so I, he could end up if Sean McVay decides. Hey, you know, I just. I'm gonna step. I'm gonna step away. I'm gonna do television. I say Jim Harbaugh goes to the Rams. I, I said he's going back to Cali. That's what I'm saying. Um, you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but definitely something you know to watch moving forward with Michigan. What's Jim Harbaugh gonna do? Where yeah. would he go? Uh, and how does that all shake up? And then you have, of course, Georgia comes back. Plays their worst game of the year and still wins. Comes back, beats Ohio the State. The worst game of the year. And and, the, and now you're going to play game. for the Natty. You know, and <laughs> now you're going to play in the Natty. But let's look at that matchup. Now you've got TCU, who now believes, whether it's true or not, they believe that they can beat anybody in the country. And you've got Georgia going, hey, we're still Georgia. Are you looking at I, Michigan I think it could be a very you one job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had one job, you yeah, didn't get job. done, but now you've given TCU that boost where they think they can beat any team in the country. They got the juice, and, and so that's that's the thing. I would like to I would like to see TCU win it all, but going against a team like Georgia that is a serious team, Georgia is serious. I yeah. mean, it's just the same as Alabama. I mean, at this point, they are. They're a serious team. Well, they've got a uh, Nick Saban disciple over there. Yeah, so, Kirby Smart, I mean, you know. Yes, they're a serious <laughs> team. And so, but TCU got the juice right now. They got they got that extra boost from this win. You know, they just they, beat they did, you know. And, and so, uh, maybe, but to talk about that game with Georgia, I, but I don't want to talk about Georgia. I want to talk about o- Ohio State. Uh, 
I don't think Ohio State should have been in there, but they did prove that they were able to hang with Georgia or uh, you know as a top school like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think you know, of course, Marvin uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. got taken out of the game early uh, with a head injury, a concussion. That hurt their offense a lot too because he was one of their top. Uh, he was their top guy on the field. Yeah. And then he gets taken out of the game. So that affected their offense. Uh, and then at the end, you miss the field goal by 30. I mean, just wide left. He was nowhere near close. 30, yeah, I mean, 30. Uh, it, was, it was not close at all. No. And so it's like, how, do you, how does that happen? Well, you, I mean, you're this close. You're literally staring down a win in your face. Yeah. And then the kick Pulling goes, the rabbit out of your hat. Yeah. You backed into the playoff. Yeah. And now you're going to go play for a national championship. And, and your kicker kicks it wide left. Nowhere near the goalpost. So, looking at Ohio State, you know, they, they, they got to that point. They Once again, just like Michigan. And... But you know that the, the playoff committee exhaled when that happened. Because here's why. Here's why I say that. Ohio State backed into the playoff. There was controversy about whether or not they should have even been there. They had already been blown out by Michigan. Uh, You know, there was a large sector of people pushing for Alabama in that four spot. So it would have been one of the least nationally watched national championship games because it would have been a regional game at that point. Yeah. Between Ohio State and TCU. Now... You've got nationalized because it's still Georgia. It's still the SEC. Now you've got everybody in the country paying attention. And you're going to get people who just want to see TCU play. That, hey, they pulled one out against Michigan. They've got some confidence. Let's see if they can continue this. I don't think they can, but we'll see. Uh, (laughs) But but you know that that, this matchup is better than the alternative. Right. They did not want Ohio State... (laughs) And TCU. Like, yeah, like they're, they're like, listen, we were generous. We let y'all in, and now you're going to do this? Like, this is yeah. good. But this, you're right. It's probably his exhale, like, this was almost a disaster. But because <laughs> if, if if it would have been, say, Michigan and Ohio State, like you, I mean, or TCU, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about two teams who, right, Michigan or TCU, uh, Ohio State or TCU? You're talking about t- two teams who won. TCU almost lost. Well, no, they did lose the. Uh, yeah, the Big Twelve. Yeah, they lost the Big Twelve. Um, and then you look at Ohio State, who got stomped by Michigan in the Big Ten. Ain't nobody gonna watch that game, right? Nobody barely watches Ohio State to begin with. They're a good team, but nobody really watches. Because them. Urban Meyer's out there. Yeah, when Urban Meyer was there, everybody in the country. Yeah. But then TCU, you know, is a Big 12 team. It's like, okay, it's the Big 12. Once again, it's just the Big 12. Nobody's going to watch that game. And so, yeah, you're right, because that could have been a huge disaster. But it's kind of funny because Ohio State and Michigan both lost. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> they beat up on each other. Now they both at home. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, now they're you know? both sitting there watching the national championship game going, huh, that was close. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but at least we beat Ohio State. But, you know. They're both at home now, and so yeah, I, this is going to be an interesting uh, national championship game because you have a Big Twelve team once again. TCU stepped up on defense yeah, all of a sudden, and 
this is the first time since 2010 that this has happened, where a Big 12 team has uh, made the national championship with an SEC team. The first time was back in uh, 2010 with Texas and Alabama at the Rose Bowl. And we saw how that turned out. Yeah, that wasn't good. I watched the highlights of that last night. All over Texas. It looked promising. Uh, But then, uh, what's his name? Colt Uh, Colt, McCoy went out. Yeah, went out out with a shoulder injury and it went down. You know, everybody says that, but Colt McCoy wouldn't have kept Alabama from rushing. No, 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 no. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, because you had Trent uh, Trent Richardson and Mark Ingram. Yeah. (laughs) That backfield, good luck. Yeah. But, uh, hey, we'll see how it turns out. Georgia, TCU, National Championship. That's what they wanted, baby. No, not really. I don't, hey. need, I don't even know who I want to go. I, I want TCU to win just for the theatrics of it. You know, the Cinderella okay, story. It is a TCU win good for college football. Overall, no, but it looks good in the moment. <laughs> it looks... Here's the thing. We all like the Cinderella story until it gets time for the championship. And this is what it's like. It's like... It's, it's like we want eating, you there, but we don't want you yeah, to be too good. It's like eating ice cream knowing you're lactose intolerant. Yeah. It's good in the moment, but it's bad in the end. So that's how it is with, you know, for TCU to win, you know. It looks pretty, mm-hmm. but it's bad overall, you know, because it's like, well, what does that say about the SEC? Are they really, you know, the big dogs like they, you know, like everybody well, they says are, they are, but it goes back to what I've said about East Texas high school football. They all beat up on each other. And like, really, yeah, think right. about it. They all beat up on each other <laughs> all the all, time, man. Everybody's battered and bruised. But you know? <laughs> but I, I don't know that it's good for college football in the long run. I think it's great for TCU, obviously. Helps in recruiting. Definitely gets you you know notoriety and all of those things. It's good for the state of Texas because now one of your colleges is, has a national cha- another national championship under their belt. Well, They're, you know... But but in the long run, I don't think that that's what college football yeah. wants. You know, like they're watching this well, game going, okay, Georgia, do your job. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, TCU already has a top recruit in the offensive lineman out of South Oak Cliff who yeah. uh, won the state championship mm-hmm. in, uh, what, 5A-D2? Yes. Uh, this year, two years back, uh, two years in a row. Last year they won, this year they won. So uh, they have a top recruit coming in. So how good would that look on their record? You have a four-star, five-star offensive lineman coming in uh, after you win a national championship. So that looks good. That You had him before uh, you got to this point. Mm-hmm. You get to this point, you got him, and you'll possibly possibly get more. Uh, but that goes back to my statement that I made, is that these Southern teams already have the guys. It's just that they're not in the same conference. So I look at the Big 12 in the next for the for the teams that aren't going to be going to the SEC, uh, which there only there's only two, which Texas and Oklahoma, God help Oklahoma, rather <laughs> uh, <laughs> than Texas, but Texas is leaving the Big Twelve not even I mean wide open for so many teams to just kind of run through. Yeah, well, now you know it looks like TCU becomes the top dog. Like yeah. they're they're going to run the conference. Right. You know, and everything, you know, it, last year you kind of thought Baylor was going to be that team. Yeah. Uh, but now it, it's leaning more towards TCU. So, yeah. hey, definitely helps you in recruiting. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what it does for TCU S- and yeah. college and football. S- uh, SMU is trying to make a push. Yeah. You know, and so we'll see what it does for, for these schools and college football as a whole uh, in, a long, in the long run. But that's where we stand. It's going to be TCU and Georgia. Get ready, baby. 
Dogs and Get frogs. Pop dogs and frogs. Popcorn ready. This is gonna be a weird fight, but hey, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, moving on to the NFL, we start with some tragedy uh, that happened in the Monday night game between uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, Demar Hamlin went into cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, went nine <clears throat> minutes without oxygen. Uh, they did restart his heart. Uh, got him in an ambulance. He's listed in critical condition uh, as of this moment uh, in the hospital. Prayers yeah. for him, uh, certainly. Yeah. A, a couple of things. Uh, it On the surface, looked like a routine play. Uh, still questionable as to exactly what caused uh, the yeah. cardiac arrest. I mean, it does appear that uh, T. Higgins' helmet does enter the, the chest and sternum area. Uh, and we do know that, you know, of course, a hard hit to that area can cause the heart stop. So it, that's still a possibility. There's just not answers. You yeah. Know, a lot of speculation, no real answers as to what caused it. But no matter what, that was certainly uh, a shocking thing. That not, You don't watch a football game. You know, you watch a football game and, and consider the fact you could see a, a broken moan. You could see a concussion. You could see all those things. You never watch a football game th- thinking, I could watch somebody die. On the field. And, and, and that's exactly what we saw. Uh, and that was clearly shook everybody in the stadium, shook every player on the field. And even those watching it, man. Yes. I, I just, uh, because I, I remember, you know, because I was, at this point, I was uh, uh, fixing supper, or finishing, rather. I may get you a fixing supper, and um, I didn't hear, I didn't see it. I wasn't paying attention to the game. It was on the game, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, at the time, I got back to the TV and, you know, said, this is when they were going in and out, you know, yeah. still had him on the field. Uh, and said, and I, then he uh, got to the part where they said he was administered CPR. I'm like, okay, dang, this was serious. Serious, because I thought, okay, maybe it's a, you know, neck injury. Neck injury, yeah. they're going to call him. Well, they said CPR. I'm like, okay, this is serious. Mm-hmm. And it's just like everybody else, the broadcasters, uh, was, you know, saying, like, Buck and uh, Ryan Clark, you know, was talking about, you know, their experiences when they played. Uh, you mean Troy Aitman and Ryan Clark? Uh, well, uh, well, Ryan, yeah. But they were saying, you know, during the game, you know, you, you would expect, you've seen concussions, you've seen guys get knocked out, uh, broken bones and all this stuff. Never had the NFL seen someone die on the field, you know, yeah, no. administered CPR. And that's serious. I think I've seen that once while watching football. And that was some years ago when a Tulane player, similar uh, neck uh, injury, it was a neck injury, they had to administer CPR on the field to him. Uh, and he now he's, he's, he's alive. You know, he's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. But never have, I've seen that in college. But never have I seen it in the NFL. Not at, to this as serious because we seen this guy after the tackle get up, look though look fine, and then just go back down and then mm-hmm. get back up again. And so when you see that stuff like that happen, you know so many questions go through your head, uh, you know as to what could have happened, you know what went wrong, because like you said, it looked like a routine tackle. You know there was nothing brutal about it per se, um, but I say that you know it was it could a C one and C two injury. Uh, is one of the most fatal 
injuries uh, to the neck area that could cause cardiac arrest. And so I, I say that possibly could have happened. That didn't look like any kind of violent movement to his head uh, during the tackle, but it's by impact. Depends on how, because T. Higgins is a big guy mm-hmm. compared to him. I mean, if you go back and you watch it at your own risk, um, you could see that how how big of an impact that hit took on him, his body. Um, but it, he got up like he was fine. So you wouldn't think anything of it until he went down again. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, that just happening, you know, it, it, it's, it's a... It's a Tragic, scary moment, you know, for national TV and for the fans that were there, uh, his teammates, and even his family that, you know, were brought onto the field uh, in the moment they was getting him into the ambulance. You know, you never want to see something like that happen with a player. But, you know, you go into this game of football with the expectation that something like that could happen. But the chances are low, uh, and you, you hope to never see it, it could happen. Uh, and you don't want to see, see it happen. But I want to talk about my, you know, the, there's controversy from former players and the NFL. Uh, with, after it happened, you know, they, they suspended the game. Well, first they were going to give them five minutes to warm up and get the game back on. But nobody was moving from either side, from either team. Nobody was touching the field. You know, players were in shock, you know. Nobody was touching the field, so they decided to suspend the game for however, however long. Uh, for the, you know, players go to the locker room, get themselves back together. But after a while, uh, they panned over to uh, in front of the Bills locker room where they had, you know, uh, the coach was out front talking with the Bengals coach, and he said players were uh, leaving, uh, had already or out of their pads. And at that point, I say. I was saying to myself, just cancel the game. Yeah. I don't think the NFL, it shouldn't, and I understand you had to make calls to New York. You had to get Roger Goodell on the phone and all that stuff to see the, to be sure of the condition of the player of, of DeMar Hamlin, see what his condition was and go kind of go from there. But I was saying when it happened, when you brought up, when they brought up CPR, I canceled the game at that point. I mean, cause I knew, those players weren't in no kind of mentality to take that field again after witnessing something like that. Well, and, and that kind of is, there was a couple things I wanted to touch on it from the NFL's perspective with this situation. Start there with the game. You know, what What do you do? Uh, I, as of right now, there's been no announcement about if they're going to pick this game up. It does have playoff seating implications to it, yeah. uh, division implications to it, all of those things. If you're going to get the game in, because Buffalo plays Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo plays Sunday. If you're going to play, you've got to play today. Right. I... And, and with no announcement, it's, you know, it's uh, almost noon central here. So, it's no one announcement. Over, yeah, it's 12, 1 o'clock. At, at at this point, it's one, I, I, yeah, one o'clock on the East Coast. Yeah, I, I'm thinking at this point somebody's going to call a forfeit, but it just depends on who it's going to be. But I don't see them because I don't see them playing. You play them tomorrow. You have a four day window or three day window to get your team ready. Yeah, you know, if you 
prolong it any kind of any longer than you looking at a shorter window to get prepared for Sunday's game. And and Cincinnati plays Baltimore on Sunday. Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I I'm seeing a possible someone's going to forfeit. It may be the Bills. I mean, at this point, you risk that in the and knowing the condition of one of your guys. You know, and and, and here's the deal because there's going to be a lot of people. Was it even matter? And, and I understand that. I you know we talked about before the show that Skip Bayless took a lot of heat because people just read the periphery of what he was trying to say, which was that none of it matters because this is more important, and I agree with him. Yeah. But there was also another side of this that I brought up uh, last night. Yes, that's tragedy. You know, and that trumps everything that could happen on the field. Uh, that trumps anything as far as playoffs, wins, losses, all of that. Not, not uh, demeaning that at all. But the NFL's a business. Yes. And and whether we like it or not, whether that's the way it was intended to be or not, that's what it's become. And from a business perspective, they've got to play this football game. I mean, you, you've got to get the game played because to put everybody on an even playing field this weekend, uh, as far as the playoffs are concerned, unless you're just going to say playoffs don't matter, you know, <laughs> yeah. you've got to play the game. Uh, or, as you've said, you've got it. Somebody's going to have to forfeit, yeah. and you're going to have to set the seating because now it affects who plays what going into this weekend and what players yeah. you might would play. Because if the division's still in play, then Cincinnati's going to do certain things. If if they've got it cinched up, they're going to do other things. I mean, yeah. it, there's so many things that rely on Sunday as far as yeah. teams moving forward. Well, and, and I know this is going to be. Brought up sometime, if not soon, then later. And it's a lot. It's a it's a psychological situation to this too, it's because you will have those people, and I I understand totally understand. You will have those people who say the mental the mental point of view percep- perception of this is what is what's going to take uh, a big a big notoriety and a big hit because. This is where you're going to start seeing people that are going to start taking over or taking up for players when they say, I need a mental break. I don't feel I'm not in a mental state uh, to be able to play right now. This is where you're going to see probably see a lot more of that and fans being like, I understand. Because because of this, me and you both know what it look what, what it does to a person mentally when they witness someone die. Yeah. And though this guy isn't, he's not dead yet. But he stopped breathing. For all intents and purposes, he died on the field. Yes. And his his family saw that. His friends, one of his, his best friends on the team uh, that he grew up with and went to college with and now plays with, saw his best friend take his last breath on that field. And, and his, quarter, his teammates saw this all playing out in front of them. Yeah. This is why I said they weren't in the mental state. Physically, they probably could have come, went out there and done it. Mentally, they weren't there. And, and that leads me to the next thing I wanted to say about how the NFL is going to handle this, not only for this this game. But now, what are the... And, and we're going to have to wait and see. I don't think that there's going to be anything really brought up until after the season's over, after the Super Bowl's been played. 
But I do think that this is going to lead to larger conversations about the game of football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Most definitely. Because now it's gotten to a point to where a player has died on the field. And, and we've been saying it, and, and I think that this may have accelerated the timetable. I told you, five years. Within five years. You know, it, at least within five years. The game of football, as we know, it's not going to be around. Uh, we've seen this even, I'll bring it back to East Texas in high school football. We had a young man in Troop, Texas uh, that suffered brain, life-altering brain uh, damage mm-hmm. uh, during a game. Suffered a stroke on the field. Um, and last time I checked on him, uh, in on him, uh, a c- couple of days ago, he continues to uh, have issues with that. He's in a rehab facility. He's been in and out of the hospital uh, continues to suffer strokes and things like that. Uh, so we're starting to see this. And because of social media, because of the, the notoriety that all of this has picked up, I think if you're the NFL, th- there's going to have to be some serious conversations. Uh, what do you do? I mean, if... You can only do so much as long as the game is played the way that it's been played for 100 years. If you want to continue to play that way, I'm fine with it. You know, I, I have no problem with it. I, I've, I've said for years, as tragic as these things are, you sign up knowing you could get hurt. Yeah. You know, nobody expects to die, but hey, if, if you can get hurt, you can die from an injury. Um, but... If the overwhelming majority starts to say, well, we're not going to think that way, we're, we're going to quit playing the game, then I think you have to start having larger conversations. Yeah. Then I think you, you have to look at do what, what changes seem to happen. And I'm going to bring this up because I brought it up earlier when we were talking about this as well. Do you remember that show that was on TV called, uh, what was it, the Friday Night Tights or something like that? Yeah. Remember there was a big controversy about how those kids were being taught to tackle? Yes. Helmet to helmet. This is what I want to bring up here. Because, you know, as I said before the show, me and my brother had this conversation uh, before. And my brother played football all through school. His, You know, growing up, literally through high school. You know, so he knows about tackling forms and all this. I mm-hmm. do as well because I was taught uh, when I played. It's almost as of now as if players don't know how to absorb hits. Mm-hmm. We didn't have, growing up, we didn't have head injuries, concussion problems. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that. And we didn't we didn't have this kind of neck injuries. And it, I think tackling, teaching players how to tackle correctly, starting at little league level, into high school, plays a big part. Because now you're starting to see where more players now are starting to either uh, jump at the ankles or... Yeah. Helmet to helmet, lead with the crown of their head, and that's where these injuries are coming from. This is where that's why this is a it's a increasing rate of CTE. It's because of the tackling forms. Now CTE was a problem back then, but you didn't see as, as many as uh, neck injuries as you do now. And I think tackling form is a plays a big part in that in learning and knowing how to tackle, because we were taught you plant your face mask. Either off to the side or in the middle of their chest, and you drive with your body weight. Mm-hmm. You never lead with the crown of your head 
or helmet to helmet. You don't even ear hole anybody. Yeah. And you never do that. But now we're starting to see more and more of that while these players are going for the kill shot. Yeah. Rather than just good form good form tackling. And so I think more than trying to fix the helmet issue, you have to fix the tackling issue. And the NFL, you know, you're getting, you know, they're getting where, okay, we're going to protect the quarterbacks from uh, help when we, 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 uh, you had the Tua incident, you know? Yeah. But let's talk about tackling. How are you, how are you going to fix the tackling issue? Because players, even at the NFL level, they don't know how to tackle. They don't know how to wrap up. They, they throw their shoulder into, into the guys. And these are 200-plus pound guys. Mm-hmm. And you're throwing your shoulder into them. That's a lot of force on the body, on your body. On their body, and you're throwing your your head, your neck, you're leaving yourself open with little to none padding. The padding issue is a different story. I believe that needs to be fixed too. But you're doing this, and you're not realizing the force and the impact that it has on your body in the long run. And I think that's what we seen last night is uh, because he he absorbed that hit. His yeah, his body absorbed all of the force of that of <clears throat> of T Higgins body that and it's just they just clashed he never prepared himself for the hit mm-hmm. he just took it yeah and it wasn't and you know when he took it he did wrap up you know and went down with him but it it, it possibly you know that it, it caused major major near fatal damage yeah you know, and so you you look at stuff like that i think the, there's going to be a lot lot like i said after i think it'll all Kind of take place. There will be conversations leading up, but as far as the league doing anything, I think it'll be an after the Super Bowl type of thing. Yeah, got to get through this season. You got to determine what you're going to do with this game. Yeah, uh, heading into the weekend because that certainly uh, affects the playoffs. Well, they yeah, and we're we're in that time of year <clears throat> where they're coming up. Last, this is it. Week eighteen, baby. Yeah, uh, this is final the- week, and a lot to talk about. So let's look at these uh, AFC scenarios. So the number one seeds up for grabs there in the the AFC, which uh, that gets you a bye, first round bye, and home field th- uh, advantage throughout the playoffs. So the Chiefs clinch that with a win and a Bills loss, or the Bills losing their last two games and the Bengals losing one of their last two. Mm-hmm. The Bills get it with uh, by winning two uh, their last two games, a win at the Bengals, which is the suspended game, and a Chiefs loss, or a win. Sunday versus the Patriots with the Chiefs and Bengals both losing their Week 18 games. Uh, then you've got uh, the Bengals uh, clinch the number one seed by winning their last two games and the Chiefs winning uh, losing their last game. And so that's what you're looking at for the last seed. So this is why I say this game that's suspended affects a lot of what we're going to look at moving forward. You know, if you're the yeah. Chiefs, you're sitting there going, okay, what what what's the scenario for us? Because if the Bills do wind up forfeiting and then you win Sunday, there you go. Yeah. Uh. So. Uh, you you've got to consider that you know because that one seed that's a big thing. Now look, moving on to the other teams uh, that are still in contention in the AFC as far as the playoff pictures go. Chargers and Ravens have clinched a spot. 
But then you have Jacksonville, New England, Miami, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee. They're all uh, in the running for those last two spots. So look at this. Uh, the AFC title, Jaguars could win the AFC uh, South title with a win or a tie versus the Titans. The Titans could then in turn get it if they beat the Jags. Then you look at uh, the Bengals. They uh, clinch the AFC North tie with a win or tie versus Buffalo or by beating Baltimore. So still up for grabs. Now, one of the last spots, the seventh seed, which is the wild card, the Patriots get with a win at Buffalo or Miami losing uh, against the Jets and the Steelers losing against the Browns and then the uh, Jaguars winning against the Titans. It's like everybody decided to get good towards the end of the season. So that's a messy deal in yeah. New England. Then you've got uh, the Dolphins can clinch that. Now, how far have the Dolphins fell? Fallen. Fallen to have to have to try oh, to clinch. And, and it looks like two is out uh, for As that should, ball game. Yeah. Well, he should be out for the season. Yeah, I mean, it's looking like he's likely out uh, for that game versus the Jets, but they can get in with a win over the Jets and the Patriots losing to Buffalo on Sunday. The Steelers, somehow, (laughs) can get in with a win over the Browns and the Dolphins losing to the Jets and the Patriots losing to Buffalo. So there's there's a lot that has to happen for them. This is is a, uh, that's a uh, replay of last year. Remember... Well, the Browns were in that situation last year. But the Jags could still get in if they lose, even if they lose to the Titans, as long as Miami, New England, and Steelers all lose. So they could still control their own destiny, or they could back their way in even with a loss. So the AFC is a mess. But this game, this is what I go back to, this game that's on hold affects all of that. Affects everything. Not only for the, the, the one spot, but now it affects how Buffalo's going to play on Sunday, who they're going to play, how they're going to play. There's a lot that hinges on Cincinnati. How, how would they play? How do they react if they're already in? I mean, so there's a lot that could affect that last spot, the last couple of spots there as well. Yeah. Uh, so you have to take all of that into consideration. Then you look at the NFC uh, playoff picture, Okay. Listen to this. So, look, playing uh, for the number one seed, which is, again, a buying home field advantage. You've got the Buffalo. Eagles can clinch that with a win or a tie versus the Giants, a Cowboys loss or a tie to the Commanders, and a 49ers loss to the Cardinals. The 49ers get the one seed as long as they beat Arizona and Philadelphia loses to New York. Now, the Cowboys are still in the run for that one seed as long as they beat the Commanders, the uh, Eagles lose, and the 49ers either lose or tie versus Arizona. So the Cowboys are back in the conversation, and they're still in it for the division as long as the Eagles lose and the Cowboys win, and the Eagles can clinch the division with a win versus Giants or the Cowboys losing to Washington. That is an interesting scenario right there because yeah. I could easily see Philadelphia losing because there's still questions about whether or not Jalen Hurts is even going to play in that game. Yeah. So there's no commitment there from Nick Sirianni. You watch that offense without him in it, and that is a, that's not good. And when are we going to realize that 
we've got to diversify ourselves on offense instead of building around just the kind of quarterback we have. <laughs> we've got to build around some other pieces. Because everything that Philadelphia does was dependent upon Jalen Hurts' ability to make things happen or to run the football. You don't have that with Gardner Minshew. He, you know, he's proven time and time again he's not that guy. You're, you're having to run some different things, and Philadelphia is certainly getting exposed for it. I think this, uh, kind of throw this in there for, uh, I think this hurts uh, Lamar Jackson's, continuously hurts Lamar Jackson's chances of getting the contract. Yes. Because of the type of player that he is, and mm-hmm. similar to the type of player that Jalen Hurts is, and Tua, and all these guys. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, yeah. You know. But other than that, yeah, you're right. The Eagles... Offense without Jalen Hurts, we have now we now know that he is the one that drives that offense, um, and controls it, and it, it moves by him. But, Even Brown, I mean, has done well, but when you're not able to give him the football consistently, yeah, he's not able to make plays, right? Um, but you know it, that, and the NFC East is now turned into a big showdown. Here's what makes it even worse. Uh, or maybe even funnier, is uh, my I didn't know this until my brother brought it up. But those four teams will be playing the, each other. The Cowboys will be playing the Commanders. The Eagles will be playing the Giants Sunday. And here's the kicker: they're all be, they're they're playing each other at the same time. Mm-hmm. The games start. The games start at the same time. Crazy part about that is, it depends on where. Well, the East Coast is our head. And, well, nope, they're playing in Washington. So they're playing at the same time. And nobody on that team would know if they're in, if they clinched, or anything until after the game. Because usually you have one team play earlier, the other one play later. Yeah, And, th- and those guys are able to watch that game and see the outcome. Yeah. But this time they're not going to be able to see the outcome because they're going to be in the game. So it's going. They won't know. Okay, did we clinch the number one seed? Did we win the division or anything like that? Until after they get off the field. Well, this goes back to you've got to control what you can control. Yeah. Now, if if you're Dallas and you're running the football and you're dominating, you're going to look up at the scoreboard and see that score. And maybe Philadelphia's down by a couple touchdowns, so you kind of get the idea that hey, this game's in hand. But you've got to control what you can control. Yeah. And you've got to go out there, if you're Philadelphia, if you're Dallas, and just win the football game well, it's and, gonna, and go from yeah. there. It's going to be another interesting week for Dallas, you know, with, with questions about Tony Pollard. I don't think he's going to be playing this game either. I think they're going to rest him until playoffs. Um, and and then Vanderish is still out. They're resting him to playoffs. Uh, so then you have, you're, you're, you're going with Zeke and uh, Malik Davis again, and then you... With Biotish out as well, um, still not clear on his diagnosis. I mean, he knows a, a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't know if he's going to play this game or they're just going to sit him until playoffs. Uh, and then Forniak, uh the backup center who was hurt during earlier in the season, his 21-day window just started. And mm-hmm. so you don't know. So Dallas's offense, his offensive line, it's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, and figuring out who's going to play and if they'll be eligible to play or ready to play by playoffs or even uh, Sunday. So you're right. Yeah, Dallas, at, at this point, you control, you got to control what you can. 
uh, and do what you can on offense. Uh, and, and hopefully they will because, I mean, you run into a Redskins team that's kind of done lit the fire towards the end of the season who are still in a run for a playoff. No, they're done. Oh, they got eliminated. Oh, well, never mind then. But at this point, so then they're a team that ain't got nothing to lose. But here's the deal with Washington, too. Ron Rivera, didn't. Even, he's a head football coach. He didn't even realize that they had already been eliminated. A reporter had to tell him at the press conference. That's how far things had fallen in Washington, by the way. <laughs> but uh, the other spot, the last spot in the NFC, still up there, you've got the Packers can grab it as long as they beat Detroit. Detroit can grab it as long as they beat the Packers. Beat and the Packers, Detroit. And if Seattle loses their ties versus the Rams, or if the Lions tie versus the Packers and the Seahawks lose versus the Rams, or a tie versus the Packers and the Rams and Seahawks tie and Commanders beat the Cowboys. So a lot of scenarios there. And then if you're Seattle, you can get in with a win over the Rams and the Packers loss or tie versus Detroit, or a tie versus the Rams and Lions Packers tie and Commanders lose versus the Cowboys. So... You're Seattle, you've got to beat the Rams, and you better hope that Detroit wins. Did you see, and I think this is a, a lot about who is going, who they're going to be playing in the first round. So, there's two possibilities, three, actually, possibilities of who Dallas could be playing if anything plays yes. out. So, if, if they Dallas win and Eagles lose, they could be looking at playing, uh, it's, it's Green Bay. Yeah. Looking at playing Green Bay in the first round. As Dallas fans, we don't want that. It's, it brings a sick feeling in our stomach because they beat us each time we played them. Well, and the thing about Green Bay is that now they've kind of slid into the picture all of a sudden. Yeah. Although I still maintain that Aaron Rodgers does not look happy. He <laughs> may be the only guy who makes the playoffs and goes, wait, what are we doing here? Why is <laughs> this going on? Uh, you know, I, I kind of thought I had it set up for me to leave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but... They have quietly all of a sudden taken on, taken yeah. uh, hold and said, hey, we're still a, a darn good football team. Devontae Adams may be gone. We may have gotten rid of most of our weapons. But they've been able to run the football pretty well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of dinking his, and dunking his way down the field. He's still Aaron Rodgers. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He mm-hmm. still makes the, the job look easier than anybody out there. And... Who knows? Maybe they catch lightning in a bottle, and if you're Dallas, you don't want to face a team like that in the first round. No. Uh, But that, again, because this is is why I hope they don't. If you win the division, though. You got them. Yeah. But they're coming at home. And that leads because we know what happened last time they played that at home. But that was against a different defense as well. True. Um. But then if you don't got them, then you got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in Tampa. And last time they played at Tampa, it was a, they lost by one point. Uh, but this brings back, you remember the conversation in, uh, Tom Brady and Dak had at the end of the game when Tom Bra- uh, they told each other, we'll see you guys again. Yeah. So is this kind of like the, you know, the uh, prophecy being fulfilled? Yeah. You know, between those two quarterbacks, you know, like, hey, you're a good team. We're a good team. You know, we've made it this far. We're definitely going to. So this is this is this could be the the reappearing uh, game between uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas. And honestly, I would like to see that game more than I would like to see the Aaron Rodgers and 
the, the Green Bay Packers with Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, because cause I, there's a lot of tension between the Green, Green Bay and Dallas right now. Yeah, I, well, and I think the matchup, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, the matchup looks better right now against Tampa Bay. Right. You know, whereas... Uh, even though you know Mike Evans has gotten it going all of a sudden, but you just look at that Tampa Bay team and you go, "That's just not a good football team." Now you kind of think that about Green Bay, but there's something about it right now where it seems like that's a dangerous football team. Like we don't want to play them yeah. in the playoffs, uh, and so I, I definitely think that's going to be an interest, interesting scenario. Should uh, Green Bay beat Detroit? But that's a tall task. I mean, that's a great offense in Detroit. That, yeah. They they play hard. Man, I, they get I, after it. That's I, a good team. I give props to Dan Campbell for getting it going over there, man. He's uh, obviously a passionate guy about the game, by the way he coaches, the way he treats his players, uh, his reactions to the game. Uh, you know, former that former Dallas Cowboy. Uh, so you know, he has a lot of passion about the game and how he goes about it. To get them going from where they were last year to now being playoff contenders, uh, that's a big leap. And so over there in Detroit, man, I I hope they uh, pull one out against Green Bay. Uh, should be a really good game. I know it's sort of, it's not a rival game, but uh, it kind of is. They're right up north, right up against each other. So uh, you you kind of want them to be. Uh, you know, headstrong in this case, you know, to go out there and win it uh, and pull it out against uh, a hot Green Bay team right now. Yeah. Now, I'm going to wrap up the show this way. A couple of, talking about a couple of receivers. Carol Owens <laughs> apparently was on the doorstep of coming back to Dallas. But don't, and, and the only reason why, he asked for too much money. Whatever that means for a Hall of Fame, not a future Hall of Famer, a, a Hall, Hall of, of Famer, who still runs a like a four five forty, great football player still apparently you know uh, from all indications. His agent says he wants to play. He's mentioned places other than Dallas. He runs a well. He runs okay. a four four, but but uh, yeah four four forty. So. Here's the question: Like, is this a legitimate thing? Possibly, possibly. And then here's the thing about Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens' career ended because it wasn't because he couldn't play. I think it's because he went to the wrong teams. Uh, Dallas was his last chance to actually get somewhere. And I think Dallas messed messed up and letting him go. Uh, the first time, first go around, and. Well, the only go around actually, but uh, but is there anybody in the league? I mean, Jerry Jones is the biggest circus ringmaster in the NFL by far. Yes, and if he turned it down, is there anybody else that's going to say, you know what, let's I, let's take a shot? I say this about Jerry Jones, and I'm not saying. I mean, it probably won't happen, but I've said this about Jerry Jones. I don't believe anything Jerry Jones says until there's been pen put to the paper, and here's why. Because he said the same thing about the Odell Beckham. Well, and I want to get to that in just a second. Yeah. He said the same thing. Well, he don't want to work out. He don't want to play until we're not going for it. A couple of weeks later, he's going to be a Dallas Cowboy. And... What, Jerry? <laughs> yeah. And now look at it. Has and there, and apparently, somewhere there is the phone conversation with Terrell Owens where it's going to be a done deal. Yeah. And then 
Well, now Jerry, Jerry backs out. Well, now and now Jerry's saying I never spoke with him or his agent. Hey, well, Jerry, what did you do? Everybody on the other side says there was definitely an agreement in place. Yes, and you got there at the last second and said, "Never mind, we don't want to do this." So a lot of questions on that. But I, I just wonder: is this just a late season, end of the year thing, or is this something that's going to be a conversation in the summer? You know, when we go into the off season, is Terrell Owens serious? at 49, almost 50 years of age, about wanting to play in the NFL. I mean, okay, so, and if he is, who does this? So so let's look at it. i seen a video that someone uh, put out there on uh, TikTok where a guy broke down some footage from two, uh, the 2010 season when he was with mm-hmm. the Seattle for a brief moment. And he, they had him going up against uh, Browner, who at that time was one of the uh, biggest – Corners that stand, uh, stand at 6'4", 230-plus pounds. Mm-hmm. It's a big corner. Uh, and he showed in the video T.O. struggling uh, to even get to break out of cover, you know, coverage. Yeah. Didn't get anywhere. But the issue is, that was the Legion of Boom. He was one of the biggest guys on that team, corner, defensive-wise corners. Him and T.O. was about the same size. Mm-hmm. Not only, you know, T.O. being upper in age at this point, but one of the bigger guys on the bigger guys on the defense. Well, someone brought into perspective that nobody at that point in the NFL could get past that guy. Well, that, that, that's true, but I, I still go back to we've seen all of these players that look good in open space. Yeah. What can T.O. do if you put somebody up against him? Well, this is what I'm saying. It's a little bit more of a softer corner. That's true. It, it is game. a different NFL. I think. Uh, I think in the red zone, To could kill. Possibly, maybe he's a short term, you know, like would, short, and, short field see, answer for somebody. This is why it'll be good for Dallas because Dallas isn't good in the red zone on the pass. On the on, even so, though we like to get pass happy. Down yeah, there. Dallas get within the twenty in the red zone, and they can't do anything most of the time. So with that, you get To. Who's still in great shape, by the way? Runs a four-four, still physical, and still can catch. Yeah, I mean, come on, you. I mean, you almost have to entertain that idea. I, I think so, but I, like I said, I, I'm just. I put him in seeing. on the red zone. You don't listen. He ain't got to touch the field until we get in the red zone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just interested to see if it's going to be a actual conversation in the offseason with other teams. Or if this is a well, late by that season point, he'll deal. be fifty. I don't yeah. think if you don't, don't take know. it now, you shouldn't take it then. Yeah, we'll we'll see. And then Odell Beckham Jr. is falling off the face of the earth suddenly. Apparently, nobody wants him. He doesn't want anybody. I don't know. Uh, that turned out to be a disaster. So it is what it is with Dallas. It what seems like they're Jerry? it seems like they're settled. He in will Dallas. be a cowboy, <laughs> and he's clearly not. So yeah. it seems like they're settled. Uh, and that that's the team that's going into the playoffs. So you know buckle up. It's a busy week 18 and a lot of scenarios uh, <laughs> to be played out uh, in this very last week of the season. We hope, we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, Jerry Jones is disrespectful. <laughs> I'm just going to say that before we end. He's disrespectful. Why would you sign T.Y. T. Hilton and then go and say, Odell will be a cowboy. What? And then, and then behind everybody's back, talk to Torello. Yeah, like, what are you doing? This is why I said I don't believe anything this man says until it's pen, pen or ink 
put to the paper, and it's a done deal. Jerry loves to talk. He loves the cameras. He loves he loves to hear himself, I think. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, we're going to be back on the road covering basketball as that gets fired back Swish. up in the high school ranks. Yeah, it's... it's uh, uh, look for us to pick up on some college basketball now yeah. that things are shifting that way. And it's uh, district time. Tune in to TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all those things. Uh, be sure to share this show, and we will see you next week. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Peace.